You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I'm not wanting to like promote Wednesday before I've even had a chance to preach here on Sunday, but I want to tell you, we, we're going through James and we're, we're talking about the need to get back to work here on Sunday mornings. As we look at the, the epistle of James, it really is about the church performing its duty, doing its work, doing what those who are filled with faith are called to do. But I'm going to tell you, the book of Revelation is a perfect companion to this because that book, even though it's filled with mystery and prophecy, it is giving us that flame that we need to be ignited in our witness. So on Wednesday nights, we're doing our study in Revelation. You're invited to come. Our, our capacity is a little more limited on Wednesday nights, but, but please, at home, check into that study. I think that it's a great companion to what we're doing here, even on Sunday. And I think God is going to uh, ignite this fellowship of believers and help us to do the work of the kingdom. Today, we're going to focus on one little word uh, in a handful of verses, but the word is if. I got really creative with my titling of the sermon today. If. If is the biggest little word in the English language. It is a hinge word. It's a word of uncertainty. It's a word that causes us to say, I could go here, I could go there. But ultimately today what we're asking is, if we're lacking something, if we need something, if we want to be used by God in a mighty way, will we do it? Will we listen? Will we obey? So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me as we stand upon God's solid word and the rock of God's solid word. We're going to begin there in chapter 1, verse 5. A few short verses here with a powerful punch. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. God, we ask that you will lift the veil this morning. That whatever it is that is keeping us from hearing your word clearly down deep in our hearts, that you will remove it. Lord, if we are on shaky ground, if we are in an unstable place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, God, we pray that this solid rock of the word will anchor us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One little word, if. Two letters. Two letters, two little letters in the English, two little letters in the Greek. It's the word I. The word if leaves us with loose ends, uncertainty, perhaps a little bit of anxiety. That's why this word may be the word of choice for the day, the era in which we live. Every single one of us, we know that we're asking a lot of if questions. Even in the church, we, we're asking questions like uh, if anybody's going to come back to church, right? We were thinking that when this room was empty and preaching. If we're going to be able to withstand this thing called COVID and all the things that are going on, if we're going to withstand the difficult times that we're going through as a nation, this is a loaded word. I know there are a lot of ifs, brothers and sisters. I know that we face uncertainties. They're even talking about new strains of COVID. I mean, just when you think that we see the light at the end of the tunnel, 
Have you noticed how the world always wants to keep you on unstable ground? Have you noticed how the world always wants you to be off balance because it wants to dictate the terms? But I'm here to tell you that when we have Christ in our hearts, we can have boldness in all that we do. We need to be bold as lions. In history, we see a few individuals that were, were bold. Let me tell you the story about this king, King Philip II of Macedon. He was a man who was powerful there in Greece and was taking over all of the different uh, small city-states there a long time ago in the 4th century B.C. You may not know him that well, but I guarantee you, you know his boy, Alex, or Alexander the Great. But Philip was on a rampage, and he was going to take over the Spartans, and he sent them this nasty little note. If once I enter into your territories, I will destroy you all, never to rise again. And the Spartans replied with one word, and here it is, if. Now let me tell you something. The devil is saying something like this to the church. If I enter into your church, I will destroy you all. If you give me what I want, I'll give you all the pleasures in this world, but I'll destroy your soul. And we as the church are going to say, if. If. We're not going to give him a toehold. We're not going to let him come in this place and dictate to us. We're going to stand strong against the enemy because we have the king of kings guiding us. There are many ifs today. I know that spiritual warfare is a real reality, something that we have to face. We are not going to be able to reach our community and not go to war. It's going to require us to, to be strong and to accept the challenges that we face. But we need to, to leverage these challenges that we face with courage and confidence that the Word gives us. Today, I believe God's Word gives us that kind of leverage, that kind of courage, that kind of confidence that we need to be strong in this day. The world needs to see a bold church, not arrogant, not self-assured, but a church with joy and hope and optimism so that the world can see that there is a better way, that the power politics of our day, all of the hopes that people put in government and governance. They're, they're, those, those hopes are always going to be dashed. But when we are building our lives on the solid rock of God's Word, all things are possible. Let's begin with an if. If we lack wisdom and faith. Let's begin there. You see that's how the passage starts. If any of you lacks wisdom. Now I want to tell you, James is a preacher and he's treading softly. He doesn't just say, hey church, you lack wisdom. But that's really what he's saying. He's telling us that this is a deficiency that all human beings have if you lack wisdom. The reason I know this is true, if you look up at verse 4, he says that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Did you see that in verse 4? And the very first thing that he starts talking about is the possibility that you lack wisdom. I don't think that's an accident. I think that the, the Word of God and all of the writers of Scripture know how hard it is for us to live a Christian life in this world. And there are so many days when even if we've had the privilege of being in church and Sunday school and small groups all of our lives, when the moment of crisis comes, we all feel like that we are, are just falling short, that we're lacking what we need. We all feel this. And when we feel it, the devil uses it to cause us to grow in our doubts. 
Yes, James is being realistic about our limitations, but he's being gentle with us because he knows that there is always room for us to grow as believers. The last thing James wants is for us to grow in our doubts. He doesn't want us to grow in our insecurities. Instead, he wants us to grow in grace. There will be various trials, trials of various kinds. We were told last week, we know that, that many times we're, we're going to be up against the wall. But let me just say this. Even though it is an obvious truth that we as human beings lack the wisdom that we need, it shouldn't become an ongoing reality. In other words, we don't just say, oh, shucks, poor me. I don't have wisdom. I'm just going to just go and, and do the best I can. No, we want you to do better than that. We want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that it's not about IQ. It's not about how much you read. It's about how much you're willing to lean into the Lord and trust in Him. Wisdom and knowledge are two different things. They do somewhat go hand in hand, but ultimately wisdom is something that's a blessing from God. Let me say this to you. The path out out of our wisdom deficiency, the path out of it, is fervent prayer. To get out of a wisdom deficiency, we have to take this path called prayer. And verse 6 gives us a clear exhortation. Notice this, but let him ask in faith. You see, the, the Hebrew people understood the power of prayer. It was central to their ideology and to their identity. If you have your copy of Scripture, look back in Proverbs 3 with me for just a moment. We'll have it for you here, but verse 13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. This is Proverbs 3, 13, and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. Now, I'm going to add this. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Wisdom is a special thing, but we need more than definitions of wisdom. We need inner desperation for wisdom. It's not about learning the definition. It's about having a desperation. The church needs to be desperately clinging to God, looking for something more. A desperate praying heart is what opens the door to true wisdom. Let me just share with you a little, little personal story here, part of my journey. I remember being called to preach I was 19. I was at university. I was in my dorm room. And I remember uh, wrestling with the Lord one night and realizing that it was time to quit pushing back and to receive what God had wanted me to do. I understood that he had called me to preach. But I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't expect that before my 19th year of life would be over that I'd be the senior pastor of a country church. The first time I preached in a pulpit as a pastor, I had less than 10 sermons under my belt ever. Now let me tell you something. I mention this to you because here's the reality. I've had to be desperate for wisdom all my life, all my adult life. And if you are in over your head, brothers and sisters, for Jesus, maybe that's exactly where you need to be. It's okay to be in over your head when you're serving the God of heaven and earth. You can't live comfortably and live the life of faith. You have to stretch, and you're going to have to ask God to give you wisdom. We're only going to get that when we are on our knees, when we are not depending on the ways of the world, when we are willing to overcome the trials of the world by the strength that comes from above. Sometimes we don't take Jesus very literally. We ought to. Listen to this, Matthew 21 
21 and 22. Truly I say to you, Jesus says, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. See, friends, I don't think Jesus is using terms of, uh, of, of or different poetic elements here. I don't think he's speaking in metaphor. I think he's telling us that if we will trust in him, if we want to become mature in Christ, we must become constant in prayer. We have mountains that need to move all around us, but, but we're not going to move those mountains if we are not devoting our best energies to prayer. Prayer for many of us, and I don't mean to be ugly because I've been right, right here in this place, prayer is a tack on to our day most days. Even those of us who are disciplined and are praying every day, we fit it in, we squeeze it in, we make it happen because we feel guilty. And if you have a small group leader that's going to ask you if you've been praying this week, you have to say yes, because you don't want to look bad in Sunday school, heaven forbid. But I'm going to ask you, are you desperate to pray? Do you feel like that if you, it's kind of like if you miss a meal and your stomach starts growling, you know something's wrong. Do you feel that way when you've not prayed? See, pray. See, the problem is, is that we are not desperate for prayer. Because too often we are comfortable in our lives. Friends, we must rely on the merits of Christ. We must pray to him in faith. We must magnify God in all that he is in our prayers. And let's begin by thinking about this, our second if. If God is abundantly generous. When we ask the question, do we like wisdom? Obviously the answer is yes. But, but there's also another question here we're asking. And that is this. Is God generous? Well, just as profoundly and loudly as we say yes to our lack of wisdom, we should, as we have the scriptures here to support us, to say that God is generous to his children. He is resoundingly generous. He, he has something good to give us. Notice, who gives generously to all without reproach. Notice verse 5. Now, I think that, that James is just tapping into his brother Jesus's saying there that I gave you from the, the Gospel of Matthew. I think James understood what Jesus was saying, that God is good, that the Lord has so much to give us. As I was thinking about this concept of God's generosity, I began to realize that my concept of God's generosity is, is very much limited by my lack of faith, my lack of trusting in God and how big he is. It's kind of like this. When I think about my prayer life and my trust in God's generosity, I, I dig out a little pond I grew up in a, in a rural area where farmers would make these little ponds and dig out these small ponds where the cattle could come and get a drink or cool down. And those little ponds, if you're a farmer, they're important. They're very important, but there's not much water in them. They're often very shallow, and you certainly don't want to necessarily swim in that water. But when I think about our, our lack of trusting in God, it seems like all we've done is we've built out little ponds. But I'm going to say this. When I read this word generously, I don't have a picture in my mind of a pond, but of an ocean. That God's grace is vast and large and too many of us are wallowing around in a little pond when God has this grace to give us that is oceanic, that's big, vast, beyond what the eye can see. That's our God. He is abundant not in, in, the, in terms of a pond, but he is abundant in grace in terms of the ocean. Until we sense the enormity of our need, friends, we will not have enormous prayers and I don't believe we'll be able to tap into the generosity of God as we ought to. 
too many of us are allowing doubt to reign in our prayers. Oh, it is curious when you look at this word closely, generously, it can also mean single-mindedness, which is interesting because he goes on to talk about the double-minded man in verse 8. But this word, when we break it down to its, its core essence, we see that it means single-mindedness, that, that, that God is single-minded in terms of giving you. In other words, he's not splitting it up. He has an infinite amount of grace and an infinite amount of power and an infinite amount of love. You don't have to worry about God giving too much to me or to someone else because he's got enough for everybody. It's an ocean, not a pond. He single-mindedly wants to give you more. He is generous, but as Pastor Luke said when we were talking about this passage this week, he says, God is generous, Luke said, but he said he's not a, he's not a vending machine. We don't, we don't go to God just expecting him to give us whatever we want. We have to pray in faith. We have to be single-mindedly devoted to him and to his will. God knows what we need. He's not going to give a stone to hungry children who need bread. He gives to all without reproach. God is generous. His grace gifts are all around us. And it seems like we only turn to God when we've exhausted every other option. But I'm asking you, instead of putting God in the back of the line, will you put him in the front of the line? Will you ask God to help you to, to see him and his generosity and all that he wants to give you in the vastness of the ocean? We need God to break down this barrier, this wall that causes us to just put him in this box, to put him in the little pond of our own making and believe that he can do more. God wants to do great things through his church. We need bold prayer for the kingdom of God. And I'm just going to ask you this. When was the last time that you prayed with boldness? That you really did charge the gates of heaven, asking God to move in a mighty and powerful way to do something different and beautiful and powerful. We need to have this kind of approach to God because if God is abundantly generous, it's not an if, it's an absolute truth. It's an absolute certitude. He is generous. I think about what God has done here at Ridgecrest and I see his generosity all around me. I know that he is capable of doing great things because of the witness of this church. But I have to tell you, my, my spirit isn't satisfied with where we are or even what we've accomplished as a congregation because I know that the ocean is wide and deep. And, and we need to come to the Lord in our prayers, in our preaching, in our teaching, in our living, believing that he is generous and that he is going to do amazing things. God is good that way. Now let's talk about this question. If the church is single-minded and bold, one of the things you see in this passage here is a very clear call to prayer. We have been reminded of God's attribute of generosity. We're called to pray, and we're called to pray to the one who is abundantly generous and this requires us, I believe, to be single-minded and bold, believing that, that if we lack wisdom and if he is generous, that he can do something amazing in our church to help us to live for him in new ways. A Christian who prays and leans into the promises of God has the potential to change the world for Jesus. 
I have to tell you, when I think about what one church can do, or to even reduce it further, to think of what one of us can do to push back against all those voices out in the world today that are anti-God and anti-Christ. The world makes us feel so small. But Christian, when you get your heart into the Word, you realize that God is building you up to make you strong, to make you realize that, that you may feel small, but you don't need to, to think that way any longer. You can have the courage of a lion because the Lion of Judah is in your heart. We need to be single-minded that God is able. I'm one of those individuals that my mind will kick in sometimes and, and I'll feel like God is moving me in a certain direction and then I start asking all the ifs. I start making all the, the questions and I try to figure it out. I'm, I'm trying to dig my pond and sometimes I even dig my own grave when I act that way. What God is wanting me to do is to not just get my shovel but to believe that my Heavenly Father, when He gets to moving, big things happen. We are unstable when we're living in this world of doubt. Look at verse 8. Our faith is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Why? Because we're double-minded. Double-minded people are no good for kingdom work. Jesus makes that clear. You can't put your hand to the plow and look back. You can't serve God and money. You know, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's hard to, to try to be comfortable in this world, as I said a moment ago, and follow Christ. There's a tension always. It's funny, you know, the government now, it seems like every time we turn around, they're, they're giving us stimulus money. And, and of course, if you're, if you're paying attention to all those people who are using memes all the time and trying to be funny on Facebook, you know, everybody's got their, their little thing that you're going to use your $600 for, you know, whatever. But you just think about, like, even that, you have choices, right? You can use it for something that's kingdom-minded, or you can go out and blow it, or whatever. It seems like there's always something pulling and tugging at us. There are always choices. That's why this word if is so powerful. But I'm going to tell you, there, there just isn't room today in a world like this for people whose devotion is divided, whose minds are split between the world and the way. We need people who are single-mindedly focused on the Lord. We need Christians who are strong and steady. Listen, today, every single time a pastor or a servant in the church has a failing, the whole world is going to know about it. Nobody will know my name at all in the world until I mess up, and then my name will be everywhere. That's how the devil works. The devil wants to steal, and he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. I think about a surgeon. A surgeon must have hands that are steady. She must be able to make sure that exactly what is cut is cut. And I think that that's the kind of steadiness we need to have. We need to have the, the hands and the hearts of a surgeon so that we can be effective witnesses for Christ. Matthew six twenty four. Jesus said it this way, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Again, you cannot serve God and money. James picks up on this theme later in chapter 4, verse 4. and reminds us that we can't be friends with the world and friends with God at the same time. It simply doesn't work. Look at this verse, verse 8. It's a very powerful picture. If we're doubting, we are like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed 
by the wind. That's a pretty good description of most churches. Whatever the latest fad is, they're going in that direction. Whatever, whatever it is that is going to be seeker sensitive, we go in that direction. I'm going to ask you, church, to help me and to help one another to go a different direction. We're going to have to steer into the wind a little bit, but we're going to allow the richness of God's Word, the depth of worship. We're going to allow the truth of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us. We're not going to let the winds of the world dictate where we go. It's too important. If a person doesn't have Jesus as the anchor of his soul, look at Hebrews 6.19's description of that. These waves and these winds that are described here will move us in all the wrong direction. God is looking for a single-minded Christian and a single-minded church. And what I mean by that is, is that we are fully devoted to Him. That our hearts are not divided. That we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all of our soul, and with all our mind. There's a big question of if here. Will we trust in the Lord? Will we be single-minded? Will we believe that He is able to take us to those places where we need to be? It's a question that hangs in the balance today. Here in this room and at home, there are probably those listening in whom eternity hangs in the balance. Perhaps it's a person who has followed Christ but has strayed. Today there are decisions that need to be made. You've been two-faced long enough. You've been pulled in multiple directions long enough. Today the Lord is saying that it is time to turn to Him. Lacking wisdom, there's no shame in admitting that. But the shame is, is that we continue to act unwisely. There's no shame in saying that you're human and you've made mistakes. The shame is, is that you continue in those mistakes. Or let me just be more blunt, sins. Those sins that you have, the devil wants you to think right now that they are impossible to be purged. But I'm here to tell you that the only foolish thing you can do is to remain the same. The wise person in this room will understand that you must change. You must devote your heart to God. The word and prayer is the only way to stay single-minded in this crazy world. How can we get a hold of wisdom? Let me give you five things here very quickly. I mean, you know, we're Baptists, so we have to have our lists. So here you go. How do I stay? How do I remain in wisdom? How do I make sure? First, we need to identify the areas of double-mindedness in our lives. Each one of you, look at your lives. Where are you inconsistent? All right? The second thing is, wait on the Lord. As we've learned today, He is generous. A trust that if you're seeking the Lord, He is going to give you the wise way forward. Also, pray intentionally and fervently. What is the position, the priority of prayer in your life? Another thing is a proverb a day. Solomon's wisdom ain't bad. That's a good place to start. Proverbs is a great place. It covers the gamut of all the areas where we lack and where we need wisdom. That's a great place. And also, find mentors and community. Today, the church, because it's been, you know, online for nearly a year now, 
it is scary to me that many people are, are apart from the community that is the church by necessity, no doubt. But, but how long will this continue? We need to understand that wisdom is something that when we're left to our own devices, we discover very quickly that we're not that wise. But when we have somebody with us holding us accountable, when we have a good small group leader, when we have a good uh, deacon or pastor or friend there guiding us, so much progress can be made. Friends, we need each other. I think about that word if again. I think about how powerful it is in this moment. Every invitation that you've ever been a part of as we wrap up a service, as we come to the end of a a text of Scripture and an exhortation from the Word, every invitation is an if. Every one. Every time you're here, I believe that God is, is chipping away at a part of your sinful condition. There's something that God is trying to reveal to you. And every Sunday in the invitation time, the if is whether you got it, and are willing to submit to the Word of God. Right now, the big question if, and the ultimate question for you this morning is, if you don't have the blood of Christ covering your sins, you need to come to the altar and receive Christ. If you are a person who has said, I've followed Christ, but I've not committed to baptism, I've not committed uh, to the Word and being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then you need to come. That is a command of Christ. If you are a person that's been coming to church, but you've not been willing to join, let me say this. The command is clear. We are called to be a part of the body of Christ and to serve in the bride of Christ. No exceptions. Believers should be a part of a local church. And there are others of you. The big question, if, has been, will you surrender your heart and life to ministry, to missions, to the work that God has called you to? Every invitation is an if. But I'm going to say this. This is the moment to say yes. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.